Welcome to episode 125 of Friends of Film, a podcast on the latest news and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover a Boba Fett movie, Jake Gyllenhaal joining the MCU, and more after you review Solo, a Star Wars story. As always, I'm your host, Cooper, once again joined by a man who has a bigger cape closet than Lando, Josh Straley. And I wear them all the time here in Indiana. He's wearing like five right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And then the scarf, too? Yeah. Excellent. But, dude, that guy's style was... It wasn't as immaculate as I was expecting in Solo, but it was still It really excellent. stood out. That's for, for sure. For sure. Uh, but hey, everyone, don't forget, you can get all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter, at Friends in Film, and be sure to check out the rest of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you can, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps. Oh, and you're probably wondering, did we forget about our Last Jedi digital code giveaway? No. No, I did for a second, but then I remembered and we have it here today. Um, and the winner drum roll, please <laughs> is nasty Nate 14. Thank you for tweeting at us, giving us a follow and replying. Uh, we will have that code out to you ASAP. So give us a tweet if you can, and we'll have that right for you. Yeah. So congrats on winning that digital code. Nate's and be sure if you guys don't do this already to head over to our website friendsoffilm.wordpress.com where we put up new reviews for movies every single week or at least the best we can uh this week Josh put up two reviews one for Cargo mm-hmm. on Netflix starring Martin Freeman that he really enjoyed as well as one for the latest Star Wars movie Solo a Star Wars story Josh if they haven't read your review they should yes. but then just kind of tell everybody on the pod what you thought. All right. Well, prefacing this by saying I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and Solo is about my favorite character from Star mm-hmm. Wars, all right? Um, whether it's Harrison Ford or the character itself, I don't know, <laughs> but I do love it. And I have thoroughly enjoyed um, Solo, the Star Wars story. It, it made me nervous for a while, and then... It stopped making me nervous once I got to marketing and I sat there in the movie and I watched it all play out and I was just like, this is the, this, this was a perfect amount of fun and entertainment. It it wasn't challenging. I didn't sit there and think, huh, I don't know how I feel about this. I left the theater grinning like an idiot and I think it did, it absolutely did its job. Um, First of all, there's a lot to say about Alden Einreich. And for the kid, the guy, the man, I think he's our age, <laughs> he, he is extremely charismatic and fun in this role. He's not Harrison Ford. And it you can see that early and you you're kind of just like despising him for it. You're like, this is not you're, this is not Harrison. Harrison is Han. Han is Harrison. A lot of the ways. But then as the movie gets going and we finally get to see him. Um, we get to see some of the swagger come out when he's, when he's no longer, you know, drowning in the deep end and he's got that, some of his confidence. And then that's where he starts to come into his own. Maybe it's just because we're getting, we're we're, we're more familiar with him, but I was like, you know what? Him coming up with a plan and pulling it out of his butt. That's a, (laughs) that's a very Han thing to do. And that was when I was finally like, yes, that's Han Solo. Right. Yeah. What'd you think? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't, I don't know if I despised him at the start. I was well, like, yeah. you did. You're, you're holding something against him, maybe. No. At least I was. No. I mean, All right. Right. <laughs> right from the get-go, I was like, okay, it's younger Han. Yeah. 
rolling with it. Okay, yeah, okay, for sure. But then once he once he, he you you start to buy him as Han Solo, you kind of start to buy this movie because early the first twenty minutes or so. You're like, ooh, where is this going? There's some fun they, to be had for sure. But you're like, this is really, really slow and rocky and mm-hmm. just kind of out there in a lot of ways. Um, but once a plan starts to come together, once we start to meet uh, Lando, played wonderfully by Donald Glover, I mean, he's, he's so infuriatingly good as Calrissian, it makes you wonder why he's not in the whole movie because mm-hmm. he's really like, I would say like 30 minutes of screen time. No, maybe even less than that. Yeah, less than that. Like 20. And it's just, and this is a two hour and 10 minute movie and it really, really, really needed more of him because the story is a, almost like a hacksaw job of Han's greatest hits. Yeah. And that's one of these things where you're just like, ah, oh, it, it could have been a cleaner narrative mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. A Han Solo, it's not so much a Han Solo story. It's a Han Solo Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Like, you know those things that he did really well? Yeah. Like, here's, here's the storylines for those. Um, but we, at, when we're doing those things, it's still fun. Um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, I know they were fired off this movie, mm-hmm. but their, their DNA, their comedy stylings are sprinkled throughout this movie. In a lot of ways, um, okay. one of my fa- one of my one of the absolute best gags that's so small, blinking you'll miss it, but is absolutely them, is the Imperial Recruitment Center. Their music is the Imperial March. Mm-hmm. They're playing it over loudspeakers, and I was like, that is so them. It's meta, and it's just really clever and creative. Uh, so that that was uh, you know super enjoyable. Um. You know, I've really lost track of where I'm going here with this <laughs> review. But it's it's witty, it's fun, it's absolutely a Western, um, and it's Han Solo's story. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a pro- maybe it's too much of Han Solo's story yeah. in a lot of ways. Everyone who's not named Han Solo doesn't really have a whole lot to do. I was just saying, Lando's probably the best part of this film, and he's got 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's really sad and disappointing. Um, Woody Harrelson's Tobias Beckett just kind of feels like a character. Um, he has some, he has, he's primed for a deep and compelling story, but if things happen to him, you're like, oh, he's just, he's just moving on. The, yep. Oh, who, okay. Um, Amelia Clark as Kira, I, hers, her story infuriates me probably the most <laughs> uh, because she's kind of just, put on pause throughout the entire yeah. movie and they're I don't know if they're vague because there are sequels coming or if they're vague because they just really couldn't come up with anything mm-hmm. you know it's that Deadpool that's lazy writing type right. of thing to it and then the end even even more I think about it is a big eye roll even if there's a really cool surprise there <laughs> Dandy Newton as kick butt as she is she's left with absolutely nothing um, and that kind of ties back to Beckett so <sighs> The movie, this is real, some of, you once said that, I've once said Star Wars movies, you're not really supposed to think about them too much. Okay. If you think about this movie at all, it kind of falls apart, Mm -hmm. like the Millennium Falcon. So, (laughs) as much as I loved it, as much as I want to see a sequel to this, I'm just sort of like, kind of left in this place where I was like, 
I had a fun time watching all of this happen. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of a it's a clunky movie when you like really boil it down. Yeah. So it didn't spoil my fun, but it's absolutely not as cerebral as Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. It wasn't no. intended to be, Mm-mm. for sure. But I don't, I mean, I'm just kind of left in no man's land on it. It's super fun and enjoyable. Alden is definitely a Han Solo, a young Han Solo. Mm-hmm. And watching him and Chewie have adventures is great. And I'm giving it four ticket stubs because it's thoroughly entertaining and enjoyable. Um, but that just the story and the characters around Han and Chewie aren't extremely compelling. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't final note, John Williams, solo theme is beautiful. Uh, and then him and Powell's collaboration on this thing or about Powell's it's, building out. It's, yeah. It's Powell's score. Yeah. With Williams theme. Mm-hmm. And some of the things he does um, by bringing in themes from across all of the star Wars films mm-hmm. is really cool. So four ticket stubs. Sorry for rambling, Cooper. What? <laughs> That's fine. This is your baby. This the, is this is Star Wars. The outsider perspective here. The guy who's not exactly in love with Harrison Ford or Han Solo as yeah. much as I am. Yes. What that, do you got? That is true. I told you right before this movie started. I said, "Is it weird that I feel no emotion whatsoever like, about this movie?" I said, "Well, I guess I do." You like? Yeah. Well, it's not your thing. Or what did I say? I don't remember. I don't remember really either. But I was like, "You're you're you're fine." Yeah. And that is exactly how I felt after the movie. Ooh, okay. I just it was solo is solo is, is good. It's fine, but it's 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 the it's the weakest of Disney's uh, movies. Okay. In Star Wars by far, um, I never needed a solo origin movie, mm-hmm. uh, and I think this kind of really proved to me why. <laughs> okay. Because a lot of this stuff, it's it is stuff. It's just like you said, it's the answering of his of his Wikipedia page, and you're just like. Oh, so this is how he gets his blaster. This is how he wins the Falcon. Yeah. This is how he does this thing. And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. But like, what are you telling me about Han Solo that I didn't already know before? Nothing. Like, you're not adding layers to him really um, yeah. out, outside of maybe a piece of uh, memorabilia of his that you're like, oh, okay. So that maybe has some deeper meaning to it. But <laughs> the golden dice. It, it's really it's not really that laid out to you in the movie. You have to, we have to kind of, that's the one thing you kind of have to think about to be like, so what are they trying to say about this mm-hmm. in terms of how it connects to Han throughout <laughs> everything? Yeah. Um, and that's nothing away. That's not taking anything away from the people that are in this movie. I think Alden is a really good Han Solo. I mean, he's, yeah, he's not Harrison Ford and he's not doing a Harrison Ford impression. He's playing a younger version of this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the swashbuckler and he just wants right. to do his own thing. And I think he's a good Han Solo because he has, he has the moments of charisma, um, but he's also a very different solo than what we see in a new hope, you it's know, not a cynic. Yeah. Like he's very hopeful. I mean, he even, they even do the playoff of the, oh, I've got a bad feeling about this line where he says, I've got a good feeling about this. And you're right. like, okay, so this is what solo is like as a kid. But then like, there's the disconnect between that and, and then what we see later on, like mm-hmm. there's not a, a real point in this movie. You're like, Oh, so this is where I see him develop into the character yeah. that he becomes that right. we all know and love. Um, 
I think for me, the biggest standout was Chewie. Uh, his entrance is incredible. It's maybe my favorite scene of the movie um, because they do it in a different way than I was kind of expecting. And uh, I don't necessarily want to give away what I the comparisons that it drew for me okay. in non-spoilers because um, I think it kind of lays out kind of how it happens. But there was a very distinct like, oh, this is like, I don't know. There was something very cool about the way they did it. It's a little darker than I yeah. imagined too. It wasn't like... Um oh, hey, you saved him, here's a life debt type of a thing. It no. was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was, it was something completely different, and I, I, I really loved that, and I loved everything that happened between Han and Chewie. They're, like, for me, if anything, it really kind of built up that relationship mm-hmm. more, and it's not a life debt. It's not a, a slave. It's it's just a friendship, and now these two are on these adventures for years to come. You're like, okay, cool. Like I understand why... They are. Chewie gets great moments in action, um, great comedy beats as well, um, and that I mean that plays into uh, Jonas. Uh, uh, not going to say his last name because I don't know how to pronounce it, and I don't have it in front of me. But Jonas did a great job as Chewie. Um, I think York- it's Sutoma or Sutomo, Sutamo. Sure. Um, and you already mentioned Glover as Lando. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he really makes he 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 does more of the impression of billy d yeah than alden does of harrison ford but it really works in glover's case and even though he has kind of a smaller role than i was definitely expecting because it's glover he makes the most of and you're like even when he's just in the background you're like lando's here cool <laughs> right i like it um anytime he said han my boy i was yeah, like han. oh that is music <laughs> yeah I, I love the yeah, hand, yes. hand uh i love <laughs> the way they did that that was that was genius um kira i thought i agree with you she's super frustrating because there are moments where i was like she's she's kind of awesome mm-hmm. but then i'm like but there also feels like there's so much more to this character that i'm not getting in this right which was really frustrating because she's along for the journey and nobody else is really questioning all these things I'm questioning yeah, throughout the rest of the movie. And I mean, not to steal that point away, That's but fine. all of the women in this movie get kind of, uh, I mean, I want to say short circuit, but they get the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Fandy, uh, Kira, and um, we'll talk and, about somebody else in spoilers here. Uh, and it's kind of like, oh, snap. Okay. That's kind of lame. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the pacing, like you mentioned, it, start, it starts pretty slow. But then even once like it gets going, it's like, ooh, this is cool action. And then it's like no action, and now we're back to story. And then it's it's very kind of jarring where it's story, action, story, action, story, action, story, action. You're like, just maybe slow it down a little bit. Um, give me a little like – or at least make that transition a little easier because there are some points where you're just like, oh, we're just getting an action beat because it's been 20 minutes. We've had an action beat, not necessarily that – Oh, I needed I needed this for the story um, necessarily. Uh, but when the action does come, there are some very slick parts. My favorite moment from Bradford Young comes during an action sequence with Lando, um, which I thought was just stellar. Yeah. Even though overall, I was I wanted more out of what Bradford Young was bringing to this movie. It's it's very dark uh, in most of these plays in most of the movie. Not in a, like in a tonal like ooh, this is a dark movie like it's from the DC universe or something. But mm-hmm. like. It's just visually dark and it's like, okay. But then once Bradford Young is given the ability to like be outdoors and be yes, exposed to light, you're right. like, oh, great. This is what I was expecting. And you get like those classic like old Western shots. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yes, this is like the stuff I wanted. But that's only like 
40% of the movie probably. Um, so the rest of it's like, oh, okay. Kind of bummed about that. Um, it's very comedic. The movie is, yeah. which isn't a problem for me. Like I, having a, I mean, Star Wars always has comedy in it. Um, but there are some characters that were just too comedic and only comedic. And that they had like one shtick and like they were played a little bit too much. I was like, Oh, okay. L three. Yeah, L three. L three three seven. L three was a little much for me. Um, and then Rio, uh, who's voiced by John Favreau. Yeah, he's not in it that much, but I was just like, all right. <laughs> like, I was. <laughs> I, I'm. I don't need you for the entire movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. Um. So, I mean, overall, I mean, you mentioned the John Williams, John Powell score. It's it's good. Um. The other thing that kind of bugged me is there's a lot of moments where it's like. Ooh, we're gonna do a twist. We're gonna turn. We're gonna make a surprise. Mm-hmm. And like someone was just like, "It's like here's the big reveal," and you're like, "What is it?" Right. And it's like, I, "I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> what is this?" <laughs> and it's just like it's it's nothing. So it's kind of like feel unsatisfying um, in some places. So I mean, at the end of the day, I don't feel like I really needed this movie. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like it really gave me anything that I was like, oh, this is going to totally change the way I watch a Star Wars movie. Or I'm going to understand this nuance of Han Solo that much better. Um, it's just like, okay, this is an entry into this franchise. It is fine. I'm not, it's like I'm never going to watch this movie again, but I don't really have the desire to like rush back into the theater to see it again. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it three ticket stubs out of five. Okay. And then we can move into spoilers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and... What's the first spoiler? Uh, yeah, spoiler warning for Solo Star Wars Story from here on out. Uh, I mean, do you wish to start the big one? The, the yes. big surprise at the end of the movie? Oh, yeah. The, this is... Okay. So, first of all, um, a lot of I've noticed a lot of reviews are saying Star Wars is fan service. And I don't think this movie is necessarily fan service. Okay. Um, but And that involves a lot of things that are said and done. Like, mm-hmm. this involves the Kessel Run, meeting of Lando, and getting the Falcon. That's not really fan service. That's kind of sort of just like the Han Solo origin story. Right. But this right here, this big moment, mm-hmm. this definitely feels like a corporate Disney fan service moment, no matter how much Lawrence Kasdan or John think Kasdan will say otherwise. And that is... When all of a sudden, Duel of Fates starts to hum in the background and Kira is speaking to none other than Darth Maul. Darth Maul, resurrected, robot legs and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this was definitely the biggest surprise of the movie, yeah. for sure. Like, but, there was never a leak about this, never a rumor. Right. Um, they had Sam Witwer from Rebels and Clone Wars do the voice of Maul and then had Ray Park come in and just... Be, be the physical yep. uh, representation of it. So or do the mocap for the for digital, hologram. For yeah, the hologram. Whatever um, holograms. You, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know if they didn't have to. Could they have used old footage? Maybe. They, I don't know. I mean, he, he, I mean, he definitely looked older than he did. Certainly a final install. I mean, too. That kind of explains why we'd never heard about this. Mm-hmm. That's just an ILM thing. Yeah, you can so, definitely keep that under wraps. Uh, but I mean, that was that was really cool. Even though I was like. Oh, they're doing the Darth Vader thing again, right? Like they're gonna they're gonna bring in the Sith guy right at the end. And I was like, oh, is he, what's he gonna do? And like, he doesn't do anything. It's just like him talking, basically saying, oh, I was kind of in charge of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, okay, like I was expecting to be the Emperor, yeah, or I was expecting to be Jabba, or at least like a uh, 
like a servant of Jabba or something, be like, all right, you'll come now come to Tatooine and do this. And yeah, I, like, I thought it was okay. uh, Bib Fortuna or Fortuna. Sure. When he pulled up. The the J- Jabba's right hand man in Oh, the yeah. the the snake mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah. Gotcha. At least I believe that's Bib. I don't know. Um yeah, I mean, that was cool. I was like, oh, cool. Like, I've, you know, I've watched Clone Wars. I've watched Rebels. So I understood yeah. that, like, these that he was actually still alive. I'm interested to see how general audiences will react to this. Because I venture to say a lot of people didn't know that Darth Maul was alive. No. And so you see and you're like, what? Like, I've seen some people be like, wait, why do you turn on his lightsaber? That's, like, super dumb and cheesy. And yeah. it, ki- it kind of is. No, it absolutely is. But it's like. It was that extra step. I feel like that table, like, all right, well, just in case you don't remember, the only guy in these movies to have black and red skin and horns mm-hmm. out of his heads, we're going to show the double wheeled, the double bladed lightsaber just for that extra push. Like, hey, yep. don't forget, this is Darth Maul. <laughs> right. But, I mean, do, do you think there's anything to this other than, like, the corporate greed? I mean, is it. Uh, well, not uh, corporate greed. It just felt like uh, the. the Put this in here because right. you can, because that's what Darth Maul did during the Clone Wars. Yeah, but it's like, it's, I mean, Darth Maul can't really be in the sequel, or at least if he is, if there is a sequel, I mean, he can't interact with Han really at all because Han doesn't believe in the Force. Exactly. But then again, you have Jonathan Kazan out there saying, well, he said I've seen a lot of strange things. Yeah, yes. He, he, they've made it sound like he's the overarching villain that Han's going to end up facing down somewhere, some way. I guess. I at mean, galaxy's end, but they also, other than that, the reason I thought, excuse me, I thought it was going to be Jabba was because they hinted at Jabba several times right. throughout the movie. Yep. It's like, okay, this is where we're going. We're going to Jabba. I mean, there's even like the, Hey, big, meet me on Tatooine. There's this big gangster. Big shot gangster. And I'm like, together okay. And then like, you know, they're like at the end of the movie, they're like, all right, let's, we're going to Tatooine. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Like this is just work. like setting up a new hope, I guess, even though this takes place years before right. well, uh, a new hope beginning of that relationship. Right. So that's why I was like, it, for me, it'd make more sense if it was Jabba, but so like if Darth Maul is like the villain of a sequel, that doesn't make that much sense to me. It'd make much more sense for it to be Jabba. Right. Um, because then you could have that relationship and be like, all right, so this is how he became in, he got like in favor of Jabba. instead of just mm-hmm. being like an entry guy, like by the time a new hope comes around, they're they're clearly they're not buddy buddy, but they've had a a long lasting uh, working right. relationship. So like, how does that begin? And it kind of thought to me, I'm like, oh snap! The vi- Jabba Han is good to align himself with Jabba, and the if potential solo sequels mm-hmm. or whatever you call them, yeah, um, will be Han working with Jabba, and Jabba. It's kind of like it kind of sort of fits with Jabba's, Jabba's rise. Mm-hmm. It's the young Jabba yeah, spin-off Jabba thing that we've been hearing about. And those will sort of, um, they'll be about the Crimson Dawn going up against whatever Jabba's syndicate is. Mm-hmm. And it's the rise of that, which would be kind of cool. Maybe. In a lot of ways. And it's like, all right, well, Crimson Dawn, Jabba the Hutt, whoever ends up winning. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of sort of parlays into why Jabba has so much faith in Han yeah. is because they've had that relationship. Like that's really cool. Um, but then again, we're going back to Tatooine that we've seen all mm-hmm. of this before. But if he, they would have said Narl Hutta, the you know crime world, yeah, the curse on of crime worlds, 
that would have been cool. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of like those repetition things. And then, like I said, I don't know what Darth Maul really has to do with any of this other no. than go, <gasps> yeah. what? It's, it's, the, it's the shock factor. Yes. Like, oh my gosh. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's cool in that regards, but story perspective doesn't really mean that much. Mm-hmm. Um, can I say one thing that's like, it's not, it's, it's not necessarily a spoiler. It's just one thing that like, when I saw it, I was like, this reminds me of something that's not Chewie's yeah, intro. For sure. The uh, uh, what's what's the snake worm monster, Prox- Lady Proxima? Yep, Lady Proxima. Uh, right when she started speaking, I was like, "Is this Roz from Monsters Incorporated?" <laughs> oh yeah, the, because the, that's the, who she. The voice is like it's so it's so similar. Uh, I think it's voiced by um, uh, shoot. You know her, her from The Incredibles, Ellen Linda Hunt. Hunt. Yeah, Linda Mold. Wait, is it actually? It's actually Linda Hunt. Does she also voice Roz? You know, I don't know who voices Roz. Because that's what that, yeah. Because that's what like it just sounded exactly the same. Just when she was like Han, and I'm like, just say Mike Wazowski real quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'll um, be perfect. Not sure who who does, but okay. It's not, it's not important. Yeah, but it's just but like Linda Hunt and the mold. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you want to get into? And in spoilers on Solo, a Star Wars story. Ah, uh, that's a good question. I Enfree's nest. Yeah. Um, is it okay? Well, can we talk about Fanny Newton, Kira, and Enfree's nest? Yes. Um, because well, first of all, Fanny Newton is iced so early. Ten minutes, not ten minutes into the film. Under it's it's it's, the, it's longer than that. The twenty minute mark. But she's not. She's absent right. from the she first has, ten. She has five minutes of screen time at most. Right, and that and that's so infuriating. Mm-hmm. Not only because her character looked totally ba, but she's also married or in, in a relationship, relationship with, with Tobias. Mm-hmm. They're partners. They're boyfriend. They're they're you know lovers. Whatever you want to call it. And they kill her, and it's like okay. So is that Tobias's motivation then? And nope. like, I could have like, okay, you know, I'm not on board for that, mm-hmm. but you know, it's cool that maybe he's going to go through grief and that'll play out in a mentor role with him and hot. Mm-hmm. No, they bury her as well as, as John Rio. Yeah. As well as Rio. And you're like, which I'm kind of glad he died. Yeah. <laughs> so was I, that's why I was like, all right. Like, yeah, the way you say Wookie is funny, but like, Mm-hmm. Your like snappy dialogue is like I don't need I don't need you for <laughs> this movie. Right. So like when he died, I was like, oh thank goodness. <laughs> yes. Um. But then he he buries them and he's like, all right, that's it, back to work. Yep. And not mentioned once again, and there is no hint of it in his character at nope. all or anything like no, that. I mean, there's not even a tie into like his line of never trust anybody. It's like Han's like, well, you trusted Val, and it's like. I was like, oh, like, is this going to come back in some cool way? Mm-hmm. Nope. Right. Val is dead. Val move is on. not really. She's just a fatality. She's a casualty of the job. Mm-hmm. She's not a motivating factor for Beckett or anything. It's not. She doesn't even like teach Han the value of like, this is a dangerous job. Like, be careful. People are going to die. It's just like, we, we could get Fanny New for a couple of weeks. A couple of days, probably. Yeah. And we're, get, we're just going to get her on and then kill her. And her casting seemed like it was a big deal. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. You just paid one of the most talented actresses right now to come in and then be killed. Right. Which is why I thought like, I was. I thought she was Enfree's Nest. Uh, yeah. I was 90. I was 90% time. convinced that she was Enfree's Nest because I was like, okay, well, they're like showing 
her on the bridge, but like they could do like a cool like twist where like it wasn't actually her and they were just showing us that to be like, all right, this is what Beckett thinks is happening, but it's not. Mm-hmm. She's actually, you know, riding that that bike and stuff. And they really that was one of the re- reveals that really frustrated me was when Enfys Nest is talking with Solo and Beckett and like they, they do the close up of her face and she slowly takes off the helmet. I was like, Oh, who's it gonna be? I was yeah. like I was like and I'm going through my head, I'm like, Okay, it can't be Val because she's dead, it can't be Kira because she's right there, it can't right. be this person. And I'm like, Who is it? Who is it? And then it's just like she takes it off and it's this freckled skinned girl with orange hair, and I'm like Who who are you? Yeah, <laughs> someone we had not seen before. Yeah, and, and and, and I was like, oh, is it like Beckett's daughter? Mm-hmm. And that's the twist. And it's just like, no, it's nothing. Yeah. It's just a girl. It's and just I was like, Aaron Kellyman. I was like, oh. who? And like, listen, the character is super cool. And I would love to see some like graphic novel or anything that fills out Aaron mm-hmm. Keller, Enfrance Nest's uh, storyline. Because that seemed really awesome. But it was just kind of like, oh, they were in the first act or the beginning of the second act. Mm-hmm. And now they're here in the last act. Yeah. And that's it. Yep. They're so, part of a rebellion. It was, it was very weird because like they kept, they really played it up of like, this is going to be a big reveal. And it was, it was just, it was just nothing. And I was like, why, why did you have to like make it a big secret? Why'd you have to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, it was also, she was part of the tie in to like one of the moments for me that just kind of felt like it was, a. I don't know what the intention was behind I don't know if this was Ron Howard stuff or if this was Phil Lord and Chris Miller's or if this was just part of the script the whole time, but they really keyed in on the dice and then on Kira's tattoo or branding or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I'm like, and so like when they, like they key on it so hard when we first meet Kira, I was like, Oh, she's Enfys nest because she just got back and they're talking about, Oh, well, you know, Beckett, you said nobody else knew this information except for your team. And I was like, okay, it's got to be her. Like, mm-hmm. she would have it. She's going to do it for herself as a way to escape, you know, this this stronghold. Yeah. And then, you know, in the third act, they're going to be fighting and, like, her glove's going to fall off or something. And, right. you're gonna, and Han's going to see it and he's going to know that that's Kira and he's not going to be able to do something. And it's like mm-hmm. nothing. Like, the, yeah. the keen of the brand was just so then when they meet Enfys Nest, when they're offloading that um, fluid or whatever it is, that when she draws it on like in the dirt, you're like, Oh, I've seen that before. Yeah. That was it. It's their logo. That's the people that have been, you yeah, know, it's, ransacking the, it's their... Crimson Dawn's, you know, brand. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that, that was the whole point. Yeah. It, it was like the idea that, Oh, she's not only just, she's not like a slave there. She's part of the group. Right. In a way. So, I mean, I didn't get that at all. And like, they try to, make it seem like oh well now this is all like part of her plan where now she is teaming up she's taking over paul bettany's spot um as the top of crimson dawn and now she's yeah. reporting directly to darth maul and they're in cahoots and but it's like we're not going to see any of that unless there's a sequel and even if then who knows if that's even part of the storyline mm-hmm. um so it's, it's just, that, the whole thing just really confused me as well as the dice because they key in on it so much and then like there's there's not like a switching of the hand that's like a clever way or like something where like oh well now now he's gonna see the dice from far away and know that that's Kira. It's just like they key in on it so they can show you that he still has it and then or that she still has it and then she just gives it back to him at a really strange moment. Yeah. Like right when they're doing their rescue in the uh, Kessel Spice Mines. Mm-hmm. And you're like okay. 
but like there were so many different opportunities where they could have exchanged the dice and made it more meaningful instead of right there that it's, like it was it was just a very weird thing it's a it's it's a it's a pointless um object mm-hmm. to make a part of this movie yeah it doesn't play into the story at all no it's just a character card for han solo mm-hmm. ryan johnson picked that up in his script someone <laughs> the kasdan's reading johnson's script i guess i don't know yeah found that and they're like heck let's make that his thing and they go out there and do it um it turned it from a cool callback to a you know a ridiculously used card mm-hmm. um, maybe if he'd used the dice for something else before but yeah other than just him it being like his lucky dice right that's all they are like and they're like no there's there's a powerful meaning to this like but what is it is it like there like, isn't one that this is like his signal of home or like his goal or his love. So that's why he puts in the Falcon. Cause he loves the Falcon. Like, no, I don't know. I'm trying to come up with something to be like, Oh, so this is what it means. But then when you think of like, you're overthinking it, that Luke then gives him delay. It's like, there's no, like there's no emotional meaning there that like, why would Luke give them to Leia if they're just like meaningless dice, basically like there's no emotional attachment to them. Yeah. From taking it from the trilogy to this spinoff, you lose it. Yeah. But inside of the contained saga, mm-hmm. it's just like one of those things where like, oh, that was neat of Ryan Johnson to do. Yeah. That's sweet. We get it. But here it's like, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, but I will say I enjoyed L337, uh, L3's entire mm-hmm. shtick. That was, there was a dedicated, she, um, she is the, she's a, she's Lando's fiercely independent, navigationally competent um, co-pilot and sometimes lover. <laughs> I gosh, they really, really that one of the one of the, the most definite Phil Lord Miller gags in this thing is the is Lando and the robot together, and they they give it they give it three whole minutes yeah. of a, of a joke line with her and Kira, and I'm like, wow, that was <laughs> they really went for it. They really went for that. Um, so I, I, I appreciated that. I love that. But her thing is she wants robot independence Mm -hmm. and she finally like, you know, really keys in on it when they're having a breakout in Kessel. She starts a droid revolution. Yeah. And, uh, and the whole thing is hilarious as she, you know, incites this rebellion. I loved it. Laughed the entire way through a Phoebe Waller bridge will never not be funny to me mm-hmm. um her amazon show killing eve on the bbc all just great stuff and then like just the there's a dark irony to her end where very <laughs> she gets blown apart uh-huh. and lando's like no i'm don't, you're not gonna die you're not gonna die she dies and they're like what do we do with her i know let's trap her forever in the falcon <laughs> Yeah, that's really messed up, which I never, I hadn't thought about. And then I'm on Twitter today and I just see like a huge thread of people I follow and they're like, Solo is like really messed up. If you really think about it, and I'm like, what are they talking about? And then Collider posted an article about it mm-hmm. and I read it and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, this is like, this is really messed up because yeah. L3's thing is like that droids should be independent. They should be their own thing. And <laughs> right. then like to take that away from her <laughs> exactly is like really dark. 
uh yeah and like i don't know like i don't know you can you can fall on either side of like do droids have consciousness in Star Wars? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're. I think they do. I mean, I don't. I don't know. They're advanced robots. I don't know what's in going on in the galaxy far, far away. Yeah. But like, if they do, then like, that's even like a, a weirder thing to do because now you, yeah, you're entrapping her for sure <laughs> against her will, which is exactly what she didn't want to do. Moments after she led a revolution. Um, uh huh. And like, I don't know if they intended that. They couldn't have intended that. But the the idea is. Since she's so sassy, I guess. I don't know if that's the word I want to use. Yeah. Since she's so fierce and sharp and witty, mm-hmm. they, when they plug her into the Falcon, her consciousness goes there. And the joke is when 3PO in episode five, um, Empire, he's like, your computer has a funny way of speaking, you know? And you're <laughs> like, oh, that's L3 oh. who's, you know, chomping at the bit and be, you know, like being snarky with him. Right. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So that's what they were trying to get at. Okay. But her actions earlier in the movie were like, oh, that, cha- that changes things. Yeah, she's probably telling C-3PO. <laughs> she's a prisoner. Help me, help me. <laughs> yes. Help me, C-3PO. Exactly. You're my only hope. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, there were definitely moments where I liked L3, mm-hmm. but then there were other moments where I'm just like, this is your only thing. Like, you're not bringing anything else to this movie other than droid rebellion, droid revolution. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Okay, okay, okay. but like what else are you doing and there was nothing else for her so like the fact that she did die i was like okay cool yeah like it didn't bother me because i felt like she had done her thing Uh and there wasn't anything left for her to do but die for to die and if if they had kept around it i would have been just like come on just get on with it well i would have like appreciated her sticking around and then having her you know her being imported into the falcon Mm -hmm. like it would have been as much as I hate to say this, if they would have approached this film with, we're doing three of these movies, mm-hmm. but let's make a really great one. And L3 survives. Lando survives. Mm-hmm. Val survives. Danny Newton's character. This movie would have been, I think I would have, would have sat here and been saying, this is the best star Wars film ever type of wow. thing. You know, like if they, because I, I just that's really the big thing of, for you is, a lot of choices that they make in this movie are let's get this done quick let's do this fast mm-hmm. the falcon should have been a, a third film idea or a second film idea the kessel run should have been you know involved in that one way or another yeah lando's unconscious while han makes the kessel run and leaves him with the the junked up cruiser and mm-hmm. l- let me say that's something i kind of didn't like Han's reckless abandon with the Falcon very early in this movie or not early in this movie, but like at his meeting with him, Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, we know he loves this ship or he's going to love this ship Mm -hmm. and he's going to be like, not a scratch, but he's the one who screws the Falcon. I I mean, is that, is that a joke then after the fact of like, I don't know. Hey, last time, you know, when I stole your ship, I, I messed it up. So then I don't, I don't know if that recontextualizes their interactions later down the road. Of being yeah. Like, not a scratch. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, funny. Like he's making a joke because like when he took it, he really ruined it. Right. But there's this moment in Return of the Jedi where he's looking at the Falcon mm-hmm. and Leia comes up to him. He's like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, just got the funny feeling. I'm never going to see it again. And then like he's deftly serious. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, interesting way of putting it around it. But I, will I mean, yeah, that's it's not ten, like a that's big ten deal. years after, right? Exactly. This? So he's he's fallen in love more. Yeah. But the 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 Lando Han 
moment where he grabs him by the shoulder and he's like, she's a beautiful vessel. And Lando and Donald Glover in the way that only Donald Glover can do just cranes his neck and is so ticked. I'm yeah. like, oh, yes, that's perfect. And then he just flies off after the encounter with Enfree's Nest. Yeah. Um, I could really go on. I want to mention. I, wrap this. I liked the new crawl. I was a different to it. Because I think title I think, cards. I think Rogue One could have used something like that, mm-hmm. and I know they want to try to differentiate these movies from the saga films as yeah. best they can. Mm-hmm. But I still think for some Star Wars movies, you need some explanation to what's going on, some context. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like they did this in a cool way. I was like, okay, we're not getting a crawl, but we're getting these this slideshow of here's what's happening in the galaxy far, far away at this point in time that I thought really worked. Um, the comparison that the Chewie entrance had for me was like, oh, yes, this would be like if there was a Swamp Thing movie or something like that's just what it felt like because he's like he's covered in mud. He's disgusting. And I was like, he's terrified. Han meets Chewie because they're the the Imperial Army is about to feed him mm-hmm. to him. Han to Chewie. Did you like that? He actually spoke. Shirewook. Wookie. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of like, where did he learn this? Right. He grew up on the mean streets of Cornelia. When did he have time to yeah. study one of the most complex languages ever? Uh, so, I mean, maybe at the Imperial Academy. And that's something I would have liked to have known. Yeah. What went down at the Imperial Academy? You jumping three years ahead. Only to give us five minutes of him in the war. Like that, that was a cool like action scene. But mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I could have, I could have used more of that. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the like five, cut out the first 20 minutes. Just give me 25 minutes of that instead. The five minutes of Han Solo in the middle of a battle is way more of a war movie than mm-hmm. all of Rogue One. Even if Gareth Edwards, Gareth Edwards is, in that moment, I was like, Gareth Edwards' film is more like a, you know, the last hour and a half of Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. more so than it is um, anything else. Right. The, the, the first half, or the five, for five minutes of Solo, is, you know, uh, the beaches of Normandy, mm-hmm. like times 10. Well, not times ten. I don't even no. want to take that comparison back. Um, and apologize. And I, I really wish that they would have done the different opening where they just start with him mm-hmm. as part of the Imperials, because yep. then we would have skipped the worst part of the movie. Ooh, Han, what's your last name? Mm-hmm. I don't have one. You're so you're alone. You don't have anybody. Uh, I guess you're Han Solo. And the taps no. <laughs> Terrible. No, it is so bad. And it's 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 fine to me. Oh my gosh. But later he's like, My dad Yes. My dad exactly. was my dad used to build these things. And I'm like, they Oh, con- so you do know your dad. Yeah, they contradicted themselves in the movie where it's like yeah. This was uh, this was totally pointless. Like mm-hmm. if he knows his his father at least well enough to know that like what he did for a living, then he must know what his last name is. Yep. Even if he hates his dad by now, mm-hmm. and it's like, no, I'm not going to go by his last name or whatever. Like he had a dad, like you, like the fact that they just like gave it to him. Like that is like, that is like throw <laughs> up in my mouth, like type of prequel stuff that I just, I, I could not, I could not stand it. It yeah. was, and because it made that Bob Iger quote from like two years ago. He's like, you're going to learn how he finds, how he gets his name. And everybody's like, what? His name's a Han Solo. And they're like, no, no, no. It yeah. is Han Solo. No, apparently it's not. Right. Apparently his name is Han Swashbuckler. Or whatever, yeah. And instead, because some random Imperial Guard's like, 
okay, you're alone, so I'm going to call you Han Solo. Mm-hmm. That's the name he sticks with for the rest of his life. Right. It, it, it's, it, it is so dumb. And that, like, it's one of those moments, like, you didn't need to explain. If you're going to explain anything about Han Solo, sure, show me the Kessel Run, <laughs> where the record was 20 seconds or 20 uh, parsecs, mm-hmm. and now he did it in 12, even though he's rounding down. Right. Like, the, four, oh, the fact that 14. he beat it, yeah, 14, that he beat it by so much, it's like, okay, come on. Um, but, like, explain all that stuff all you want, how he gets his blaster. But his name should be his name. Mm-hmm. It's it's so it, I don't I don't understand how Lawrence Kasdan and John Kasdan are like this is a good idea. Yeah, like I, I mean I don't understand this at all. Um, couple other things I I was a little annoyed by how much they set up his him going to Tatooine. It's like yes we all know he's going there. Mm-hmm. We all know what happens in New Hope. And like when Enthusiast is like we're we're part of the rebellion or was the start of the rebellion you should join us and he's like don't hold your breath kid or whatever he says it's like come on really you needed to have the join the rebellion line yeah in here like he's going to become one of their greatest generals uh you know in 10 years why do you have to do this dumb setup it was like the end of the the third hobbit movie where like here's all the setup like hey go meet this guy named aragorn you're like who it's like ah oh, they're setting up the hobbit or they're setting up lord of the rings like it's it's so it's so dumb that like i don't i don't these like these prequels can have purpose and they can answer some questions but these should not be the questions they're trying to answer it's it's just it's really dumb stuff but i liked how they did that the han shot first thing that was oh yes was his, like, cool. his encounter with and Beckett. that they didn't like i thought for sure woody harrison was about to make a joke after he's like, "Oh, good, you always shoot first or something." I'm like, uh, like, I was, I was prepared for it. And I was really like, harmful. "Oh no, it's coming again." Yeah. <laughs> they didn't do it. I was like, "Okay, cool. This is like a legitimately good moment." It's mm-hmm. one. Of the, it's that was one of those moments where like, "Oh, you're going to explain like, did Han shoot first? Like, yes, he did in the originals. Then there's the special editions where it's a little more uh, right. go either way. It's more middle. Um, but now it's just like definitively no. Like, this is just who Han is. He shoots." without asking questions right it's like i or like i like that he learned to yes anyway and that's something that kind of boils me boils back to this movie doesn't really have layers for han no it has moments in han's life mm-hmm. but he doesn't really change it would have been something if like i like that he did shoot first like that was a, that was a great um i guess uh, reconstruction or like recontextualization. Right. I want to say retcon maybe. I don't know if it's retcon, but just like a a moment. Mm-hmm. But would have been even cooler if, or more powerful if earlier he's like, uh, no, we don't know what's going on yet. Like I want to, I want to know how does Han go from being this kid mm-hmm. to a cynic, and we don't see him move at all. No, um, I think he starts bright eyed and kind of hopeful and he he, end, he ends kind of the same way except I mean, maybe for, he's a little more cold-hearted because akira but like it can't affect him that much yeah and just like that the shooting first of beckett i'm like does that really fit this moment mm-hmm. and it didn't and it just really it, it lowered the the character's arc a, a big deal did beckett being the guy that like obviously was the traitor of the group after he's the one who says don't trust anybody kid mm-hmm. like did that bother you at all are you cool with that no that's fine okay. I, didn't, I didn't mind that at all and uh oh kira we mentioned both in the non-spoiler section like 
she was frustrating because there's a lot to her that we don't learn. Yeah, and they make a point of saying, you don't know what she's done. Yeah. Tell us what she's done. What did she do? Why? What's going yeah, on here? Like, clearly, she's done some bad stuff because she she's... kicked Dryden Voss's butt, mm-hmm. no problem. Yeah. And I was like, that was awesome. Like, she knows, like, this weird space martial arts stuff. And then, like, Han just, like, doesn't even question, like, where have you been? She's like, I've, I've, like, basically, like, I've seen and done things you can't imagine. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. You're like, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> like, she was your entire drive for the last three years of your life, and you just don't even care, like, mm-hmm. what she's been up to or how she got to this position. Right. Like, Their moments together are to make out yeah. and say goodbye mm-hmm. after they get separated in the at the prologue. I was like, well, okay, that's, that's it. Yeah. Um, so you said you'd be down for a sequel. I, I would be, I, I, I actually needed at this point because a sequel only a sequel can fix these films and how we view them or this, this film and how uh-huh. I view it. Cause I want to like it more than I already do, which is weird right. saying that about a star Wars movie. Um, it's, it's pure fun, but I want it to mean more mm-hmm. for the character, for my guy. And I, I need a sequel. Do you want to like pick up right after this before a new hope? Right after this. I, I don't want a sequel. You don't care if we ever see young Han Solo again? No. Okay. Um, and I'll even go a step further. I don't want any more movies set before a new hope. I don't want a young, the young Lando is maybe the only exception, not because it's Donald Glover, but because I think from where he ends this movie to where he eventually gets in episode five where he's like the ruler of cloud city. It's like, right. How does he get from there to there? Mm-hmm. Like, and we don't, we don't know that much about Lando overall. Right. There's enough of a journey where you can really shape that character more. But like, I don't, it kind of makes me less interested in the Obi-Wan movie. Cause like, what can you really do? We'll get to some stuff in the news section that I guess I can elaborate on this more, but like put it in places where we don't know the fates of the characters or where we don't know kind of their whole deal. So that way we can kind of, do more because maybe that was the problem with this like not giving han that much character development because like well we can't change that much this dude's been in four movies and like his character's set in stone like we can't alter it that much i mean but you 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 can actually i mean i'll push back on that no uh, yeah i'm just saying maybe that's what like the castings took a a lesser approach to it they weren't they played it safe with him yeah they're like Han's a rogue, but he's kind of a good guy. Mm-hmm. But he's he's uh, he's out there. He's yeah. wild, but he you know he does the right thing. Yeah, Kieran's like Kira's like I know who you really are. You're a good guy. And he's like, what? No, <laughs> yeah, not me. It's like come that on. Grin. Okay, and, um, like, and maybe he can be, but I would like to see that change. I want to know how he gets from. Eh, I don't want to help you out. This re- I want my reward, and I'm getting out of here. Right? How does he get to that point? And that's what those movies can do. Mm-hmm. And I want to see him get to that point because now you you didn't leave me at that point. Yeah, that's true. So I need to know why. And it seems like Kira's storyline is probably a big part of that mm-hmm. where he literally learns to trust nobody. But they didn't even put plant a seed of that, really. They're just like, oh, to be continued. Yeah, they, they really set up a sequel. Um, the box office so far is less than what it was looking like it was going to be. Mm-hmm. We we're recording this before the weekend's over. So the final numbers, maybe there's a huge spike on Monday or the Sunday box office goes up or whatever. But right now it's, it looks like it's going to come in well below expectations. Yeah. Um, we'll see what that means for the future. We'll talk about it in the news section. Do you have any other final thoughts on solo closing words? 
could have been a lot better. Agreed. But I, I, I enjoyed it. I'll probably see it twice before it leaves theaters. I'll buy it day one. Two more times or just twice total? Two more times okay. beforehand. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I've, I'm really down on it because the potential was squandered. Mm-hmm. And it just became a, hey, remember this? Remember that? Yeah. Let's see it all happen. And it was fun. It was it was the mo- it was fun it was funny but it was just like ah oh, han could have han deserved a little bit better yeah and i, I only said because i just really care about this character mm-hmm. cuz totally he's fair. the coolest yeah um so that's all we have for our review of solo a star wars story let us know your thoughts and everything about the movie on twitter and facebook comment on soundcloud whatever you can do and then we'll be right back in a bit with the news And we're back with the news. And as always, we're going to start with Ticket or Skip It. This week, we have two trailers to talk about whether or not the first impressions from these trailers would let us would lead us to buy a ticket or skip the movie entirely. The first one is actually the first trailer for Mowgli, which is Andy Serkis's adaptation, the darkest adaptation, according to the trailer, of the Jungle Book story. Josh, what did you think of the Mowgli trailer? really underwhelmed by it so skip it i i I think i don't want to say skip it right off the top but yeah i would skip it okay yeah i'm gonna say skip it and here's why i i love the jungle book Mm -hmm. man this is really hard to say (laughs) i it there's no reason i shouldn't like it it's got a great cast. I mean, from Benedict Cumberbatch to Christian Bale to uh, Kate Blanchett, the snake. Naomi yeah. Harris is in here is, is too. Um, Andy Serkis is going to play Baloo, so I'm really interested to see how that oh. plays out. But man, I just—it's weird not feeling any Excitement. joy yeah. while watching this. And maybe we'll this will be one of those things where it'll bomb at the box office, but people will pick it up and be like. This is the quintessential Jungle Book adaption. That'd be because, something. Because Disney's adaption is more of a fun, lighthearted version of what the intention of the novel was supposed yeah. to be or the book was supposed to be. So this is going to be much more gritty and dramatic. Mm-hmm. And I just felt weird l- watching it. <laughs> I was like, that's not Jungle Book. It's Mowgli. And that's why they had to call it that. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't think I'll see it in theater. Okay. I don't think I'll even like really make an effort to, unless it comes up or, you know, it's number comes up for a review here. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'll actually go to write about it, but I, but I mean like, but unless I'm really compelled to no, skip it. Okay. I am going to give this one a ticket. Um, okay. it's, it's a close one. Mm-hmm. Like this is, I was like, yeah, as long as my, as long as movie pass isn't completely out of money and it's still working, <laughs> Uh, when this movie comes out, I'll be definitely using Movie Pass on this one. Um, I like that it it made it very clear that this is different than 
Disney's Jungle Book. It actually kind of looks like the pseudo sequel, um, where like Mowgli has been involved with the the villa, the man village for a while. It seems like he's not yeah. growing up in the forest in the in the jungle anymore, and now it's like it seems like it's his return, uh, which I think it could be an interesting story to tell there. Um, and I thought the visuals for the most part were really solid. We're like, okay, like this isn't Jungle Book, John Favreau level visuals, but like it's definitely it's definitely looks good. Mm-hmm. With the exception, and it's a, it's kind of a big exception of the animal faces. Yeah, when they talk, it is disturbing. It's almost like you they were trying to Photoshop someone's face on there, and instead of blending it, yeah, you can just see the outline mm-hmm. of their faces and it's kind of like oh man this looks like those robots from iRobot with Will Smith <laughs> yeah. kind of like molded an animal skin onto on them. them um the panther panther's name uh, uh bon- Bagheera Bagheera yeah who's by Blake Russian Bell I was like when he's when he was talking to Mowgli he's like no no yeah <laughs> Get that. like I, this is something I see in my nightmares um Cobb Kate Blanchett by who's being voiced by Kate Blanchett that was one that I was like okay yeah I'm down for that but yes thank you for saying that because yeah it's oh it, it's it's weird and apparently I didn't read the full interview but there were I I read excerpts of an interview where like Andy Serkis wanted to make the animals look a little more human so you could see the performances more which mm-hmm. I can understand based on his background and your performance and yeah. motion capture and everything, but it it is uh, it is a, a very weird look, and it's like like there like there's that show dogs movie that's now out in theaters where it's like the classic like just just move the animal's mouth yeah. and have the talking, um, where then the Jungle Book looked like it really perfected how to do this, mm-hmm. and then like they just like mesh the two together, but then like put like a human like skull on these animals almost underneath. And you're like, they, it, it just instantly looks weird. Where then when you watch jungle, like, this looks like a, a real bear is talking. Yeah. It, it looks just like a bear. It's face isn't messed up or weird. Um, so that's my biggest reservation about this movie. And that's possibly major considering most of the movie is going to be about talking animals. Um, so if right. I can't get over that, I'm just going to be knocked out of the movie the whole time. Yeah. But I'm hoping that in the next mo- couple months they can maybe refine it a little better. We've got five, four. We got four months to get it ready for October. Yeah. So, but I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that up. they can uh, that they can make some improvements. But I'm definitely uh, a bit skeptical, even though I would, you know, ticket it currently. We gotta we gotta come up with a segment where we just totally beat down something in the news <laughs> show dogs i mean we're not going to talk about it but oh my god oh, show dogs um <laughs> so then we also got our second trailer for disney's christopher robin yes josh what do you think of this one 12 tickets 12 yes taking you your family your friends or movie passing every film in theaters until i can't see it again okay because they don't know folks you well, can see you films ha- twice you have to show a receipt of your ticket now what? Yeah. I didn't have to do that on Friday. Uh, oh, well. Maybe your app hasn't updated, but they're, they updated their terms. <laughs> oh, boy. So now you have to take a picture of the ticket that you purchased. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> I'll just hold on to one ticket. Yeah, just be like, yep, this is, this is it. <laughs> yes. Or I'll just get, oh, yeah. I we'll guess see. you could buy a ticket for, for moving and go in anyways. Yeah. That, that's some ethical Not that we would advocate for that. Um. But anyway, 
I am a thousand percent here for this. Okay. It is it's it's Pooh is both charming, sweet, naive, and funny. Ian McGregor looks like he's just having a blast mm-hmm. in this thing. It's it's so fun to see that guy smile because a lot a lot of his roles have just kind of been really gritty. I mean, he's got the transpotting two role. Mm-hmm. He's been like this crooked guy in Fargo. Mm-hmm. And that's really all I've seen him in lately. But point being, I'm just happy that he's just kind of running around being like, this is great. This yeah. is a wonderful type of an attitude to it. Him picking up Eeyore and Pooh and walking mm-hmm. through the Hundred Acre Woods. Um, him getting stuck in the tree. I'm a thousand percent here for. So, yes, take it. I, I, this looks like a great, fun movie come August. August? Yes. August. I think yes. it's the first weekend of August. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you it's a big ticket here uh it just looks really cute and charming mm-hmm. and i think that's exactly what this movie needs yes. um the voice of eeyore, eeyore is escaping me it's brad something i'm pretty sure um and it is just pitch perfect um obviously the voice of Pooh is perfect as well because it's the original guy um but like i like the i like the designs of the animals i like that this one showed more of the story where the first trailer is just like, oh, so like, what are what are we doing here necessarily? It's just like, oh, Christopher Robin kind of hates his life, and then these old friends show back up. But now it's like, he goes into the Hundred Acre Woods, saves them all, but then they're like, no, we need to save him. I'm like, oh, cool, okay, so this is where we're going, and I like that element of it. I'm a little concerned that we maybe saw the whole plot in the trailer. Yeah, but it, it's it's still a ticket for me either way because it, it just it looks like a good fun time in mm-hmm. the theater it's brad garrett by the yes. way. um i think he's in master of none as chef jeff is that right uh i cannot confirm that i can't confirm that either okay but i can't confirm it even by googling it but also <laughs> so i would say that's a denial <laughs> um chris o'dowd is tigger uh yeah. he's gonna be terrific toby jones is owl we didn't get to see him but uh-huh. peter kafla or um Kaplida, the former Doctor Who is mm-hmm. in there, and Haley Atwell as Haley Atwell, of course, um, Christopher Robin's wife, excellent, Evelyn. Yeah, so all the, the most delightful people ever to be in cinema are all in a movie together. Uh, so yeah, um, absolutely. Oh, and so yeah, I'm I'm just ready. I'm so ready. Okay. Oh, except hey. Tigger looks like he could murder you too. Oh yeah, he kind of looks like like he's been in like did some jail time. <laughs> like know? him, he went to Paddington. He was in Paddington too. Apparently, oh. that it, we didn't see him, and he's mm-hmm. in jail. Paddington, and he was beefing up. And I uh, I wouldn't mess with Tigger, but <laughs> no. uh, I also wouldn't want to mess with Boba Fett, who, according to the Hollywood Reporter, is going to be getting a movie for sure. Um, and it'll be directed by Logan's James Mangold. What? He's heading to the galaxy far, far away, and that he will also be co-writing the script for this movie with Simon Kinberg. This announcement comes after the Hollywood Reporter also revealed that his movie uh, that's about Ford and Ferrari um, kind of battling to make the best race car um, back in the day Got Christian Bale and Matt Damon to Ooh. join, uh, where Matt Damon will play the engineer who builds the, the first GT40, and then Bale will play the driver. It also got Outlanders, uh, Catriona Balf as Bale's wife, and A Quiet Places, Noah Jupe to be their son. So this has got a great cast. Joop, there but then, it is. <laughs> then Mangled also. <laughs> you know you were thinking that. It. I was not. That, that's a good pun. Um, but then Mangled has that project gearing up for this year. Looks like it's got probably an awards contender. 
but then he's also doing Boba Fett. I th- I would assume you're more excited for Boba Fett. Boba Fett. That's how I said Boba Fett when he's blind. Oh, I'm mostly excited for Yes, I'm absolutely excited for Boba Fett. Um, it's a chance to use... I don't... Do we know any details about this script yet? No. Okay, good. Could be a use of... Could be the solo semi-sequel. Mm-hmm. He could... Well, he doesn't really have to show up, but it could be like, welcome to Tatooine. Han and Chewie are showing up. Now I need this team of bounty hunters to go do my bidding against Crimson Dawn. Mm-hmm. That will be really cool, and that can make a sweet two-movie arc where Han's like gotta be a cynic so there we go sweet uh i yeah i'm all about this uh ford and ferrari sounds awesome is that gonna be released by the end of the year uh i don't think this year okay i mean unless it's a really quick shoot then he steven spielberg's the post this and like knocks it out in four months uh, it would be really hard to do um but but could this be ready for 2020 boba fett do you think and which one are you excited for I am more excited for the Ford Ferrari movie okay. because it's got the great cast mm-hmm. already assembled. And uh, I uh, i don't know, racing movies aren't necessarily my thing. But you love Rush. But I love Rush. Rush is up there to the top tier of Ron Howard's movies. Um, and to have this, I think it's, it's it sounds like a really cool movie. It's got a great kind of team assembled so mm-hmm. far. Whereas Boba Fett is just like, we have the Mandalorian mask with James Mangold. Mm-hmm. Okay. James Mangold in Star Wars. Yeah, that is the selling point to me. I don't need a Boba Fett movie, just like I didn't need a Han Solo movie. Right. Um, but it's James Mangold, so. Do you need a Boba Fett J- James Mangold movie? That's what I don't know. And here's the big thing. I mentioned it in the spoiler section. This isn't a spoiler for Solo, but... I want this movie if it is post uh, six and it is ah. Boba Fett climbing out of the Starlight pit Ooh. or the the armor getting spit up and somebody else becoming the the new Boba Fett. Because that and is canon. It, yeah. is, it is kind of canon. It's um, novel canon. Uh, so I would love to see that. If this is a, another pre A New Hope, this is how Boba Fett becomes involved with with Jabba and that mm-hmm. he becomes in favor with Darth Vader. Like, I don't, I don't want this because it, it's just going to be the same thing because Boba Fett, as far as I understand, I'm, I don't have that much, uh, love for the character. Okay. But the people that I know do, it's because of, like the cool mystery behind him. And so if you're just going to reveal who he is before these movies, like, well, yeah, but we it, did get his reveal. He's a clone of Jango Fett. Yes. Which is why I want them to do something completely. I want them to do post six because I think it opens it opens up for them to do anything. Yeah, I agree. Where if it's before four, we already we already know what this character's deal is. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you can really expand upon him in that great of a way. Unless it's sort of like a him and Han going up against each other type of a deal, but it's from and Boba Fett sort of just like the that guy's always one step ahead of us type of a deal. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But we'll see. I, I'm just excited, though, because no one else should be allowed to touch bounty hunters or the more gritty side of Star Wars than James Mangold. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gritty Logan was amazing. Yes. So the potential here is phenomenal. Uh, his Ferrari, Ford Ferrari movie, that's a step in a different direction, and I think that'll be a cool 
way to see him step out and into Oscar caliber territory. Not, not that he hasn't been there before, right. but just this is one where you'll get voters mm-hmm. to vote for a Christian Bale film for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would be much more on board if James Mangos doing an Obi-Wan movie, Ooh. which according to the Hollywood Reporter in the same article says is still in development, but has not yet locked down Stephen Dodger to direct. Hmm. And that Lucasfilm hasn't even hired somebody to write the script for this movie. That sounds which important. Is very important, I would say, for a movie. Um, I mean, in most cases, it's good to have a script. I mean, I guess maybe if you're Lord and Miller, you improvise a lot. and You don't have to have a script necessarily. Uh, but that's clearly not how Star Wars likes to roll. Right. So... Uh, I mean, we've covered Obi-Wan the last couple of weeks where it's like, ooh, it's I in a 2019 start to filming. Mm-hmm. Could it come out in 2020? Oh, here's this rumored synopsis. Uh, I, I don't trust any of that anymore because if there's no script, how can you have a rumored synopsis other than like if they just have a bulletin board of ideas and like, all right, this is what we want the Obi-Wan movie to be. Mm-hmm. Now we need somebody to write the script for it. Yeah. But we need Daldrion to direct first. I don't know if they want to lock him down. But either way, it looks like Obi-Wan is much farther off than I think a lot of people were thinking over the last couple of weeks. So uh, I'm not holding my breath for this movie. I'm not holding my breath either anymore. I mean, I was. I was, I was ready for it. Mm-hmm. But again, the TMZ report, like we said last week, was weird. Mm-hmm. I didn't trust the synopsis. But I mean, full, saying you're going into full pre-production mode is a, like a serious thing. Like you don't... Right, but that was, that was also just a, a rumor... But I mean, but if there's a huge storyboard and there's concept art lying around, maybe that is full pre-production mode. Maybe, unless maybe it wasn't for Obi Wan. I mean, we don't know what they were necessarily doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was for Boba Fett. Right, that, set in Tatooine. There you while go. While Mangold is doing his Ford Ferrari movie this the end of the rest of this year, he's also going to be on the phone with Kinberg, or Kinberg's going to be on the set with him, and they're going to be doing rewrites of Boba Fett all day long. Yeah, and then they're going to shoot this early 2019 and this is going to be the 2020 movie um i don't know i'm down for, still down for the obi-wan movie hope this but you got you got to have a script yeah and it does sound like the way casting over the interview said they have ideas on a bulletin board and they just bring people in and say will you do this movie will you write this movie um so yeah they're still looking for someone to do obi-wan uh so to be continued yes um, but the hot reporter also revealed this week that Jake Gyllenhaal is joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe or is in talks to join mm. the Marvel Cinematic Universe and will play Mysterio in the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. He will be the main villain of the movie, even though Variety also reported that Michael Keaton is going to return as Vulture oh, in boy. the sequel as well. Uh, as you know. If you listen to the podcast, I am a massive Jake Gyllenhaal fan. Hashtag Gyllenholic. Um, I I'm ecstatic. I can't believe Jake Gyllenhaal is in the MCU or is going to be in the MCU. Um, the fact that he's playing a villain like Mysterio yes. opens up so many possibilities. Um, it looks like they're building the fact that Vulture is involved too. Mm-hmm. It looks like they're probably building to Sinister Six, which would mean hopefully that. This isn't going to be the only time we see Gyllenhaal. That he could be a recurring villain, yeah. which is so exciting. I mean, he's one of the most talented actors on the planet currently. Um, I I can't I cannot believe that he's going to be doing this and be playing Mysterio. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they got Michael Keaton back is just like 
the extra like I ordered a medium fry and then they gave me a large instead. I was like, oh, right, okay, okay, I will take the extra. <laughs> or instead of getting six nuggets, you get seven or right, eight. exactly. Boy. It's just like the abundance of goodness I didn't necessarily need, yeah. but I'll gladly take. But, and, and then you know, I gotta say, I'm pretty happy about Jake Gyllenhaal, but the character of Mysterio coming around, yeah, I think is even more exciting because he is just so weird and. Like, probably Spider-Man's dumbest villain that he ever goes up against. Well, smart, but dumb, mm-hmm. you know, in those kind of ways where he's Hall's Okja role, where it's just wacky and zany and a little bit awkward at times. It's yeah. going to fit perfectly. Like, he can do this. And because, because Mysterio just, he's got a plan, but the plan is just kind of like, I'll figure it out eventually as I go. And I'm just imagining some cross between his Okja and um, role in Nightcrawler. Yeah. Kind of coming together and forming this like, I'm evil, I'm a mastermind, but this, is, this isn't this is really working out exactly how I planned type mm-hmm. of a thing going to it. It's going to play so well. Um, and then, yeah, it looks like they're building to Sinister Six kind yeah. of with this too. So that's great. I'm a thousand percent there for that. And yeah, Michael Keaton's back. Yeah, it's, it's it. great. Uh, all I know is I'm going to be rooting for Mysterio in <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming 2. Sorry, Tom Holland. You're great. I mean, but sorry, it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. <laughs> One plan we want to work. Yes. Uh, and John Wick 3 also got a bunch of casting this week. Again, courtesy of The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Halle Berry was confirmed. Uh, she confirmed to herself on social media that she is joining the movie as Sophia, who will be the uh, the female lead of the movie. But then on the villain side, John they just lined up a ton more people for John Wick to kill. Murders Row. Angelica Huston, Asia Kate Dillon, Mark Dacascos, uh, Jason Manzukis, Yayan Ruyan, Sisep Arif Rahman, and Tiger Hu Chen have all joined. Uh, Houston and Dillon work for the High Table, which is the organization that John Wick basically defied in the second yep. movie. And then the rest of these characters all look to be assassins that he will have to fight. It's a little unclear on Manzukis if he is an assassin, but I sure hope he is because that is such a weird role for Manzukis to be. I want to see him be a lethal killer and have to fight John Wick because yeah. that is just so perfect. And this cast is excellent. And I could not be more excited for John wick chapter three. Yeah. He's the most out there guy. Cause like, he's like the, he's like the drug. He's the guy who's selling weed in like all of these comedy movies. Yep. <laughs> then have him pop up there. That would be such a great and his character's name is the TikTok man. I think <laughs> oh, he's got like an explosive expert. So I mean, maybe he works for like Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, Cause he's going to be back. They That's confirmed right. that as well as uh, Lance Reddick. And uh, Ian, Mc- Ian McShane, mm-hmm. they were all confirmed to be back as well. I cannot wait. Can't wait. This is going to be like like a knockout, drag out, whatever Leech and everyone else is kind of coming up with here is going to be incredible. Or Stalinsky. Yeah, and Stahelski. But they're, they're, they both collaborate on this these movies, right? Leech was... On one of them. Yeah, Le- Leach and Stahelski co-directed the first one, but yes. then Leach left. I Got think it. he's still technically a producer because producer. their production banner mm-hmm. makes helps make these movies. Okay. But it's Stahelski who did it solo on the second one, and he's doing it again solo on this Got one. It. Whatever... It's whatever we have for this one, they've got a great cast of people 
to get it done. Uh, ooh, I'm excited. Do you think any of these people have a chance at actually stopping John Wick? I don't know. Um, because I mean, we've no one's been able to stop the guy. No. At all. But man, what do you think? I'm, I'm saying no. I think he's unstoppable. No, no. You, you can't. You can't kill John Wick. You can make these for 50 more years. It'll be perfect. I'm also glad we talked about this like months ago that there was a report that uh, that uh, Ruby Rose yes. and Common were going to return. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like that is the case, which I'm really happy about because I thought they were both died at the end of the second movie. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that they're not coming back, I think makes a ton of sense. Um, so happy about that. I would have loved to see Liam Neeson join John Wick three and fight, but he's <laughs> actually going to be joining men in black. Ooh. According to variety, he will be uh, the head of the London branch of the yes. men in black spinoff for Sony uh, where Chris Hemsworth is like the, the old hotshot veteran of the group. And then Tessa Thompson comes in as like the new, I'm going to prove that I'm the mm-hmm. best type of agent. Um, Chris Hemsworth is apparently Agent a- Agent H. Tessa Thompson is apparently Agent M. This seems uh, great to me. This seems perfect. I hope he gets some action stuff to do. <laughs> oh, I ha- I hope so. Um, if he doesn't, that's fine. I love Liam Neeson in a comedy, first of all. Long overdue. How long has it been? Way too long. I mean, his role in the Lego movie is excellent. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Terrific. So whatever they have planned for him here, I'm sure will turn out great. Mm-hmm. Um, Hemsworth, hotshot, Australian branch person, great. And then Tessa Tom, yeah. Just, this is this movie went from uh, really to oh, this is going to be outstanding. Are you still concerned about F. Gary Gray being the director? I mean, I just. The comedy beats worry me because I really want this to be funny first mm-hmm. more than action. But I think he points towards action. But I will never be one to – I mean, I guess I am prejudging right now. <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm Before I even see a trailer, I'm ticket on this movie. So, okay. You know, there we go. I'm good. Uh, yeah. I mean, this comes out next year, I'm pretty sure. Um, in the summer, I – I think this is a great cast so far. We still obviously have to get the villain role as well. There's, right. there's got to be other uh, people in the London branch mm-hmm. of Men in Black too. So I hope they keep up this pedigree of just casting excellent, excellent people. Fingers crossed for some kind of weird... Wait, who's producing? It's Sony. Uh, they don't have distribution rights for Bond in the US anymore. So nope. there's the Daniel Craig cameo out the window i'll say i'm still holding out hope for Channing tatum and jonah hill to pop up oh please and connect yes. the universes i just watched 22 jump street again last night and it is so funny mm-hmm. um i mean if it was if you tell me that the next movie is jonah hill Channing tatum tessa thompson and chris hemsworth that's a that's a billion dollars out of my pocket wow. alone probably that yeah. is that is pitch perfect um i mean yeah i mean i, I know i pitched I want that. I wanted Jeff Goldblum to just do the Thor Ragnarok trifecta and him be the old yes. Wiley, uh, the leader here. But Liam Liam Neeson is a great choice. Even though when I saw the headline, I saw Liam and then Hemsworth in the same title. I was like, oh, no. Liam Hemsworth joined too. They're just doubling down. Is Luke next? Um, that would have been funny. But Liam Neeson, Men in Black, <laughs> it's excellent. Um, last story here. 
THR also revealed this week that Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese, uh, who they sold an action script to Netflix called Six Underground that will be directed by Michael Bay. We knew about Michael Bay's attachment. The Netflix buying it is new, but they also got Ryan Reynolds to star in the movie. The movie uh, is going to cost or cost Netflix $150 million um, budgetary and everything, which will make it their biggest movie of all time that so far. Um, And that teacher also revealed that the plot centers around six billionaires, one of them being Ryan Reynolds who fake their own death and form an elite team to take down bad guys. Uh-huh. So Michael Bay, Netflix, Ryan Reynolds, action comedy. Is this a perfect mixture of ingredients or is this just a recipe for disaster? This story just sounds so stupid. Um, that's what I can't get past. <laughs> six, six billionaires who become assassins. Uh, okay. What I mean, it sounds like the Kingsmen only... They're billionaires for real this time who fake yeah. their own deaths. <laughs> uh, you know, I won't, like I said, I won't prejudge. I'll definitely <laughs> watch it. I'm, I'm, I'm about those Netflix movies, but we will see. We will see. Ryan Reynolds is a great actor and maybe he can make this thing fun. Yeah. But just sounds like the American Kingsman. Yeah, it does. Um, I think that this could be potentially a great pairing um it's a good, yeah. i think i think we talked about michael bay doing the movie before and i think that's what i mentioned that if mm-hmm. if paul were not reese able to do this the comedy and the story yeah. and michael bay just focuses on delivering what is on the script and then just making cool action that this could be a perfect pairing the fact that ryan reynolds is involved gives me a little more hope that that is the case he'll stick up for reese's that, script. yeah, yeah. And and like script. he he even paid for them to be on set of the first deadpool i don't know if that was the case with the sequel but I wouldn't be surprised if like they were very involved during production just to make sure that like the tone is correct because mm-hmm. Michael Bay is great doing action, but then when he tries to be funny, that's not that's not his strength. Oh well, yeah, his 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 movies just always manage to be like misogynistic. Exactly. And, you know, the, the, I don't know what the only way I know what I, we call his humor, but it's not great. No, it is not. So I think this could be really good. Uh, it's obviously a huge get for Netflix. Yes. Getting Michael Bay and Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. uh, is huge. Uh, we'll have to see who else they get to round out this cast. He will be their most famous director. Michael Bay. Their biggest get directorial wise. I mean, they have Scorsese. Well, the, yeah, the Irishman is on its way through um, and Ayers. So, but yeah, he will be the, he'll so far be the biggest name. I think biggest brand. Right, which I guess depends on when this movie goes into production. I mean, X Force comes. X Force is filming later this year, so that's Ryan Reynolds's uh, thing as well. Um, then he's also supposed to do the Clue movie with Paul, Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese. That's right. Um, I also just think this gives further credence to the possibility of if there is a big cameo in Zombieland Two, that it's it's going to be Ryan Reynolds because Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese just keep working with him. They love working together. Mm-hmm. It just seems too easy. Yeah. Um, Does Reynolds have a production company with those guys? I don't know. Kind of, kind of feels like they should just make it official. <laughs> right? Just tie the knot. Uh, I don't know. But I think hopefully this will result in a good way. Yeah. Because, I, I, fingers crossed, I want Netflix to produce some really quality content yeah. on the movie side. Thousand and that percent way there. we can get Colton more on board of Netflix movies are movies 
Well, I mean, if you want quality content, I think Netflix had its best original film with Cargo. There you go, right and there. And bring in the bring in the pod full circle. Here. <laughs> I guess so. So you're, you mean it's better than the Oscar nominated uh, Mudbound? Yeah. I, well, I mean, they're two different films. Yeah. But I I enjoyed okay. Cargo a lot more. There we go. Uh, next week we won't be reviewing a Netflix movie. I don't think. Um, we are going to either be doing Upgrade. Yes. I think if we get it, we're doing Upgrade. If it's we don't. Nationwide. Oh, it is? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Then we will be doing Upgrade next week. If for some reason I'm wrong, Fort Wayne, Indiana is the only place that doesn't get it, yes. and we get Adrift instead, the Shailene Woodley, Sam Claflin movie, yeah. we'll probably do that instead. And because it is Memorial Day weekend, we will not be doing a big question, so we're going to take just a little bit of a break ourselves. So enjoy the weekend. We'll be back next week, obviously, with a review and a big question. And then, as always, if you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, should retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star view. Uh, then be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by tweeting us at Friends of Film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh. Don't forget to update your privacy policies. And be sure to turn next week for our future review.